0: Bail is a set of pretrial restrictions that are imposed on a suspect to ensure that they will not hamper the judicial process. Bail is the conditional release of a defendant with the promise to appear in court when required. In some countries, especially the United States, bail usually implies a bail bond, a deposit of money or some form of property to the court by the suspect in return for the release from pretrial detention. If the suspect does not return to court, the bail is forfeited and the suspect may possibly be brought up on charges of the crime of failure to appear. If the suspect returns to make all their required appearances, bail is returned after the trial is concluded. In other countries, such as the United Kingdom, bail is more likely to consist of a set of restrictions that the suspect will have to abide by for a set period of time. Under this usage, bail can be given both before and after charge. For minor crimes, a defendant may be summoned to court without the need for bail. For serious crimes, or for suspects who are deemed likely to fail to turn up in court, they may be remanded, detained, while awaiting trial. A suspect is given bail in cases where remand is not justified but there is a need to provide an incentive for the suspect to appear in court. Bail amounts may vary depending on the type and severity of crime the suspect is accused of. Practices for determining bail amounts vary. Bail bond. In the United States, it is common for bail to be a cash, or other property, deposit. Cash bail in other countries is more limited. Known as a bail bond or cash bail, An amount of money is posted so that the suspect can be released from pretrial detention. If the suspect makes all of their required court appearances, this deposit is refunded. In 46 U.S. states, a commercial bail bondsman can be paid to deposit bail money on behalf of a detained individual. This practice is illegal in the rest of the world. Illinois, Kentucky, Oregon, and Wisconsin have outlawed commercial bail bonds, while New Jersey and Alaska rarely permit money bail. Worldwide, United States, The Eighth Amendment to the United States Constitution states, Excessive bail shall not be required, thus establishing bail as a constitutionally protected right. What constitutes excessive is a matter of judicial discretion, and bail can be denied if the judge feels that it will not aid in forcing the accused back to trial. Money bail is the most common form of bail in the United States and the term bail often specifically refers to such a deposit, but other forms of pretrial release are permitted. This varies by state. Many states have a bail schedule that lists the recommended bail amount for a given criminal charge. At the first court appearance, the arraignment, the judge can set the bail at the amount listed on the schedule or at a different amount based on the specific facts of the crime and the person accused. A common criticism of bail in the United States is that a suspect's likelihood of being released is significantly affected by their economic status and systemic racial bias. In response, in 2014, New Jersey and Alaska have abolished cash bail for all but a limited number of court cases. Though the California legislature attempted to eliminate cash bail in 2018, this change was vetoed by California Proposition 25 in November 2020. Canada As in other Commonwealth nations, people charged with a criminal offense in Canada have a prima facie right to reasonable bail, known in Canada as judicial interim release, unless there is some compelling reason to deny it. These reasons can be related to the accused's likelihood to skip bail, or to public danger resulting from the accused being at large. In stark contrast to many other jurisdictions granting a constitutional right to bail, in Canada the accused may even be denied bail because the public confidence in the administration of justice may be disturbed by letting the individual, still legally innocent, go free pending the completion of the trial or passing of sentence, Criminal Code, S. 515, 10c. Sureties and deposits can be imposed, but are optional. United Kingdom. England and Wales. In the modern English bail system, Monetary payments play a very small role. Securities and sureties can be taken as conditions for being granted bail, but these amounts are not excessive. Wider restrictions such as curfews, electronic monitoring, presenting at a police station, and limits on meeting specific people or going to specific places are more common conditions. Bail is regulated primarily by the Bail Act 1976 and the Police and Criminal Evidence Act 1984, both of which have been heavily amended by later legislation such as the Policing and Crime Act 2017. The Bail Act 1976 was enacted with the aim of creating more conditions by which defendants could be denied bail and also redefining the parameters of fulfilling bail. The Bail Act also nullified the recognizance system, removing the requirement of paying a specific amount of money and instead arresting defendants for failing to surrender. The Bail Act created a qualified right to be granted bail before conviction, except for when certain factors applied. This does not guarantee a person will get bail but it places the onus on the prosecution to demonstrate why bail should be refused in preference to custody. In England and Wales there are three types of bail that can be given. Police bail. A suspect is released without being charged but must return to the police station at a stated time. Police to court. After being charged, a suspect is given bail but must attend their first court hearing at the date in court stated. Court bail. After a court hearing, a suspect is granted bail pending further investigation or while the case continues. In law, an appeal is the process in which cases are reviewed by a higher authority, where parties request a formal change to an official decision. Appeals function both as a process for error correction as well as a process of clarifying and interpreting law. Although appellate courts have existed for thousands of years, common law countries did not incorporate an affirmative right to appeal into their jurisprudence until the 19th century. History Appellate courts and other systems of error correction have existed for many millennia. During the First Dynasty of Babylon, Hammurabi and his governors served as the highest appellate courts of the land. Ancient Roman law recognized the right to appeal in the Valerian and Porcian laws since 509 BC. Later it employed a complex hierarchy of appellate courts, where some appeals would be heard by the emperor. Additionally, appellate courts have existed in Japan since at least the Kamakura shogunate. During this time, the shogunate established Hikitsukh, a high appellate court to aid the state in adjudicating lawsuits. Although some scholars argue that the right to appeal is itself a substantive liberty interest, the notion of a right to appeal is a relatively recent advent in common law jurisdictions. In fact, commentators have observed that common law jurisdictions were particularly slow to incorporate a right to appeal into either its civil or criminal jurisprudence. The idea of an appeal from court to court, as distinguished from court directly to the Crown, was unheard of in early English courts. English common law courts eventually developed the writs of error and certiorari as routes to appellate relief, but both types of writs were severely limited in comparison to modern appeals in terms of availability, scope of review, and remedies afforded. For example, writs of error were originally not available as a matter of right and were issued only upon the recommendation of the Attorney General, which was initially discretionary but by modern times was regularly granted. Certiorari was originally available only for summary offenses. In the early 19th century, certiorari became available for indictable offenses, but only to obtain relief before judgment. Due to widespread dissatisfaction with writs, resulting in the introduction of at least 28 separate bills in Parliament, England switched over to appeals in civil cases in 1873, and in criminal cases in 1907. The United States first created a system of federal appellate courts in 1789, but a federal right to appeal did not exist in the United States until 1889, when Congress passed the Judiciary Act to permit appeals in capital cases. Two years later, the right to appeals was extended to other criminal cases, and the United States Courts of Appeals were established to review decisions from district courts. Some states, such as Minnesota, still do not formally recognize a right to criminal appeals. The U.S. Supreme Court has repeatedly ruled that there is no federal constitutional right to an appeal. Appellate Procedure Although some courts permit appeals at preliminary stages of litigation— Most litigants appeal final orders and judgments from lower courts. A fundamental premise of many legal systems is that appellate courts review questions of law de novo, but appellate courts do not conduct independent fact-finding. Instead, appellate courts will generally defer to the record established by the trial court, unless some error occurred during the fact-finding process. Many jurisdictions provide a statutory or constitutional right for litigants to appeal adverse decisions. However, most jurisdictions also recognize that this right may be waived. In the United States, for example, litigants may waive the right to appeal, as long as the waiver is considered an intelligent. The appellate process usually begins when an appellate court grants a party's petition for review or petition for certiorari. Unlike trials, which many common law jurisdictions typically perform with a jury, appeals are generally presented to a judge, or a panel of judges. Before hearing oral argument, parties will generally submit legal briefs in which the parties present their arguments at length in writing. Appellate courts may also grant permission for an amicus curiae to submit a brief in support of a particular party or position. After submitting briefs, parties often have the opportunity to present an oral argument to a judge or panel of judges. During oral arguments, judges often ask questions to attorneys to challenge their arguments or to advance their own legal theories. After deliberating in chambers, appellate courts issue formal written opinions that resolve the legal issues presented for review. Appellate courts. When considering cases on appeal, Appellate courts generally affirm, reverse, or vacate the decision of a lower court. Some courts maintain a dual function, where they consider both appeals as well as matters of first instance. For example, the Supreme Court of the United States primarily hears cases on appeal but retains original jurisdiction over a limited range of cases. Some jurisdictions maintain a system of intermediate appellate courts, which are subject to the review of higher appellate courts. The highest appellate court in a jurisdiction is sometimes referred to as a court of last resort.